Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. If you have a Bible today, I think you might have a, an idea of where we're going to open to, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we are going to look at a couple verses before we get into the hero of the week, verse 32 through 35, verse 32 to 35, but uh, we have had a wonderful week here at Cornerstone. We completed our first full week of school, which is always exciting for our academy students, and on top of that, any ladies in the house, did you attend Crave? There was almost... I mean, God, goodness, we almost cracked the 100 number, which is amazing, midweek. And, you know, I have a goal, and it would be that um, I don't see a reason. We could throw up some big curtains over here or wherever. I think in, the, in, in for 2023, the goal is for that semester, let's, let's, let's grow that Crave Night so much that we have to move it into the sanctuary, you know? We can move out tables, and we can move our chairs. We've still got some muscle left in this church to move some chairs around, don't we? But um, speaking of muscle... Our, 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 our hero of the week this week, we're going to talk about, you may have guessed it, Samson. Samson. Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's reoccurring theme comes over and over again to us that without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to uh, please God. But you know something else, without faith, what's interesting is Christ followers, when we just get into the rut or we get into traditions or we just get into the, the normal day-to-day -day life, with, if we aren't walking in faith, if we aren't stepping out in faith, if we aren't having difficult conversations in faith, if we aren't uh, approaching strangers and just kind of interacting and seeing like, man, how can, I, how can I win this person for Christ? If we aren't walking and actively living out our faith, we aren't going to see God move all that much, right? We actually won't experience His existence in our day-to-day -day lives, and uh, we, we shouldn't be surprised when our walk kind of feels mundane or repetitious or, you know, not, th not that much action going on. we got to live out and walk out our faith. So as we talk about Hebrews chapter 11, let's get right into God's Word today. Is that all right? And let's read it because we're going to cover some Scripture today. And a reminder, all of Hebrews 11, we're, we're talking like real people, real issues, real, real problems right? But they all did something, and they all had something in common, is that they would walk out and take a step of faith, and then they would see God use them and work through them sometimes and do the miraculous. Well, verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, would you read with me? And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, about Samuel. Think of all the, the prophets, all of the different judges. Verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. We're going to take a pause right there because I love the, the author of Hebrews. He starts off verse 32, and would you underline this? Would you circle this? It's, it's, it's interesting. It stands out to me because he says, what else do you need to know? Look at the lives of the heroes of old. He's, he's like, what else 
Do I need, how, how else can I spell it out for you, right? It's almost like a sense of repetition. He's, he's almost like, man, do I, do I need to keep going here? I think you get the point. And maybe like after the summer series of sold out summer, I think we can probably echo that and say, I think we're, we're getting it, what you're telling us, God, right? And I think that's even the Holy Spirit saying, like, do you get it yet? Are, are you dialed in yet? Do you understand, right? What else do I need to, to say? How else do I need to say it? Uh, what else do you need to know about this, right? Kind of like, man, and then he drops a few more names of some heroes. If, if only I even had the time to tell you about Gideon. Man, if only I had the time to tell you about David and, and, and Samuel, and if only I had the time to tell you about Samson. Uh, the author, he doesn't go into as many uh, like details verse by verse that he did about maybe Rahab and, and some Abraham and, and Sarah, but today we're going to briefly discuss one of the heroes mentioned, and uh, we already said it, Samson. Turn to someone and say, hey, th- this guy's got issues, right? Um, I, I, I specifically, you know, I was tempted to skip over Samson because I kind of thought, you know, his story is, if we're honest, it's a little depressing, it's very sad. It's, it's kind of like you don't leave church maybe feeling like, wow, that, that is a little ridiculous, right? But I thought, you know, Rahab, as, if you were with us last week, I felt like Rahab gets that rap where she gets that title labeled to her all the time. And sometimes we just, it's like, Samson, what's the deal? He gets labeled like the strong man, the superman. When the reality was Samson was a deeply flawed individual with some issues, can we say it like that? He had some issues with morality. He had some issues with his ego. He was, he was a bit cocky, a bit arrogant. Samson is a guy that, you know, ladies in the house, we're going to hammer him a little bit today. Is that all right? Right? We, you know, it's like we, we talked about Rahab last week. So in the, in the spirit of fairness, no, I'm teasing. We're going to talk about this judge. But, you know, you can find the, the life of Samson in more detail. You could do it this week. It's, it's, honestly, it's a fun read. Judges chapter 13 through 16. Those, those four chapters you could read this week. I'm going to kind of pick some spots and summarize a few things, but Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, you will read about this hero, this modern-day Superman, this 20-year judge, right? He, he judged Israel for 20 years, and you can kind of get uh, the full picture of his story, but today we're going to kind of just, for time's sake, summarize a few things. Like many of our heroes, like Rahab, Samson has some issues, Um, but can we say it like this? Like many of these folks found in Hebrews 11, they almost seem like very unlikely candidates to be mentioned in the hall of faith, right? Like they are mentioned, and they are mentioned years and years later in the Hebrews chapter 11 hall of faith, and this guy is, um, let's just say like, could we say narcissistic? be a way to describe Samson. I mean, we could, we could throw a lot of labels on Samson. If, if Rahab was labeled forever Rahab the you-know-what, right? We could say Samson the narcissist, Samson the cheater, Samson the player, Samson uh, you know, you know, the, the, the arrogant. We could attach a lot of labels to this, this man. He's the, he's the type of guy that like, no matter what happens, like how many times you forgive, he's like the husband that just keeps cheating on the spouse, on the family, right? But yet we would see how, how God, God would use him. And in, in the physical, the, 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 the strength, or could we say the supernatural strength from God, right? Samson, when he would operate in faith, it's like God would use him to accomplish the impossible, he would use him to accomplish amazing things. The Bible tells us, and you'll find this in, 
in, in the chapters I told you about that, that Samson, it says he, he killed. He didn't just injure or wound or fight them off. But the Bible says he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, right? This guy, can we say it like this? He is a monster on the battlefield. Is that a fair way to say it? He is a, a beast in battle. He is the, the best guy on the basketball court. He is, um, he is a sniper. He is what, whatever you want to call it, right? He was the, the best baseball player around of his time. He was the hero of his day. But the reality is he was... He, what's the word for somebody who gets around too much? A player, right? For a guy, I mean, we're going to be gentle. We're in church. But you get it, right? You get it. Like, he's that guy that you do not want your daughter to date, right? Dad's in the house, right? The, that, that word probably describes him well. He's a bit of a, a player. But this story, uh, man, it is a bit depressing his story it's it's a bit of you can almost leave it if we don't really watch and and get into scripture we can almost read about his life and be like god that just seems like why would you waste so much talent on that guy right sometimes i read like why 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 but as we get into his story i want you to turn your bibles to judges chapter 13 this unlikely man that is placed in the hall of faith is 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 mentioned and you know what's crazy about his story, and when you read it at the very end, he actually kills more people at the end of his life. He actually experiences more victory on the day of his death. He does more damage to his enemies in death than he ever did in life, and he kind of goes out with this blaze of glory, but he did suffer some serious consequences for his choices. He suffered some serious repercussions because of his actions. Well, let's get into his story today, starting in verse 5 of Judges 13, verse 4. Here we go. He's talking to uh, Samson's mother. These are some instructions given to her. She, up until this point, has been unable to conceive. So let's read this. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food. These were the instructions given to Samson's mother. Verse 5, you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. But here we go. Here is the stipulation. Here is the premise. Here, there's some promises attached to Samson's life, but here is what he needs to do. Here is what mom needs to do to raise this young man. And his hair must never be what? Yeah, you reading it with me? It says his hair must never be cut. Don't cut it. Don't cut it. He is the male version of Rapunzel. No, I'm teasing. I have girls, you know. I have daughters in the house. I, I don't know why I just thought of that right now in the middle of the Scripture verse. You can't cut his hair, the Bible says, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Let's talk about this for a moment. This, this, this word here used, he, he is to be a Nazarite. From birth, the Bible says. Uh, a Nazarite vow in that context, in this, it means you are set aside. You are set apart. You are unique. It is a vow meant that it says no razor, no razor would come upon his head. We'll, shut, we'll cut his hair, right? This is a promise that, that he, you would, he would make, this promise to God. And, and actually what the Bible tells us is this promise would become the secret to his might. This promise, like a lot of people today, we, we see people who are really buff, right? Um, you see people who are like, they have six-pack abs and 
all these different things. And I remember one time, I think it was a movie with The Rock, when they, somebody asked him, how are you in such great shape? And he was like, well, I'm in the gym at 5 a.m., I lift weights, I eat healthy, I don't, I, I don't ever, I diet, I exercise, and I've done that for 20 years, right? Sometimes we think there's like some new way to get healthy when the reality is a lot of times being healthy is just consistently doing things that a lot of us decide not to do, right? There's no secret, but Samson has a secret. It's not Popeye's spinach, it's not that he is Superman from a different place. His secret to the source of Samson's power, it is this vow, He's the Superman of his time because of this Nazarite vow. Samson is the guy that every, every player on the team wants to emulate, I think, right? The way he, he's, he's the guy, the guys want to be like him. It seems to me in Scripture, I know there's kids here, but the, the guys wanted to be on his team, wanted to be like him. It seems like the women had no problem being with him, so to speak. I'll leave it there. But on the field of battle, he was, you'd look across that battlefield and the opponents wanted nothing to do with him, right? He is that guy. He is the, the hero of the country. He is the judge. He is the, 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 the alpha male of the group. He was the star, but really the Bible says what made him the star, what made him different, it wasn't this physical presence. It wasn't the muscle. The, the, what made him different was that he was set apart. What made him different was this vow that he belonged to God. And, and, and you know, when, when we belong to God, church, we, we talk about this a lot, like we make a decision to follow Christ, and, and then a lot of times, sometimes we, we wonder like, okay, this many people accepted the Lord, and they raised some hands and different things, and how do we pray with them, and how do we follow up, and what happens to them after that? But when we decide to follow God, we have been made, we are set apart, but then with that comes the, this truth that we are set apart for a mission, we're set apart to do something about that relationship. We, we are set apart with a purpose, right? Maybe write that down in your notes. We are set apart to be used. We are set apart for a purpose. You know what Samson's purpose was? Because often I read his story, and I actually was thinking about that this week. His, his, it's like his story. It's cool if you're like a a teenager and you're like throwing you know he lights some foxes tails on fire and he destroys some crops and he does these things but the bible's very clear look at verse five if you would with me one more time uh, 13 verse five here's his purpose it's the bible says he will begin to rescue israel from the Philipp philistines that is his life's purpose right there underline that says he will begin to rescue israel from the Philistines. Now, this Nazarite vow, it doesn't apply to us today, but this truth of being set apart for God, being set apart, it does apply to us today. The Hebrew term in the language, it means, set apart means to be, it's, it's this long word that, that might sound um, like difficult, but it, it's this word, it's called sanctified. And we say it in church, and a lot of times, sometimes we even say it, and people are like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good. I'm sanctified, sister, or brother, I'm sanctified, right? But really, what it means is you're set apart for a specific assignment. Sanctified, set apart for a specific purpose. Because the Lord, he, he set aside this purpose for Samson. Samson to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And we see this happen time and time again where Samson is filled with the Spirit. The Bible says this, and, and would you look just briefly, Judges chapter 13, verse 25, the Bible says, and the spirit 
of the Lord began to stir in Samson. That's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him up, right? And, and I think even us today, like when we are set aside, when we are living separate from culture, right, when we are set aside for God's plan and God's purposes, he will begin to stir things up in us. He'll begin to stir us and to, to move us into to action. Judges 14, verse 19, the, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. Uh, uh, Judges 15, verse 14, right? It, it says this, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and this was a story, and it says, he snapped the ropes off of his arms. These ropes just melted like butter. He snapped them off as if they were burnt strands of flax, the Bible says, and they fell from his wrists. Number one, would you write this down today? Being set apart for God, being set apart means we have access to spiritual power. Now the reality is sometimes we don't access what is available to us. We're going to get into that maybe in a couple more verses here. But it means, being set apart means we have access to spiritual power. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to His wisdom, to His, to his voice. When, I would say it like this, we have access when we're living sanctified. That big word comes into play. We have access to the Holy Spirit when we're living sanctified. When we are living set apart, when we are living different, when we are living noticeably different from everyone else. One of the reasons I think of, of times where I'm like, God, I just don't feel like I hear your voice. Has anybody ever felt like that in church? God, what are you, I'm praying and my, my prayers just bounce off the walls or the roofs and nobody's listening, nobody. You just get discouraged. You're, God, I believe in you, but I'm in a season of discouragement, right? But I know sometimes in my life there's also this reality and this truth that we don't like to always share with people and be open and peop with people and vulnerable with people. But one of the reasons we feel powerless as Christians, one of the reasons we, are, we, we, we see powerless churches in America because the reality is we like to dabble in sin. We like to proclaim God, but we like to kind of mess around in like what we like to mess around with. Right? We, we don't always want to be set apart. We don't always want to be sanctified. And so we realize, God, I believe in you. I have a relationship with you, but there's this distance. And the reality is it's a simple answer. Usually it means we aren't living separated. We aren't living set apart like Samson. We aren't living different. Right? We'll find that it's, it's very difficult to see God's power on display in us and through us and through our community, Right? But here's the reason why I think of Samson. And, and if, does anybody here know his story? Is anybody, like most of us probably have heard this story before, right? But there's something unique about him. There's something unique about him, and I think that applies to us today. Many times we don't see God's power on display because we aren't living out uh, our calling, but we have lost that which makes us unique. We've lost that, that set-apart reality, right? Power, we're, 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 sometimes we see Christians, powerless Christians, because we've forsaken that Nazarite vow like Samson. We know Samson's story when he becomes powerless finally, eventually, right? But we become powerless when we're not set apart, when we, when we decide to blend in, when we decide to just behave and talk and text and, and socialize or whatever it is, do the things that everybody else does, but we still know God. 
Judges chapter 16, let's skip ahead a little bit and let's talk about his story. Verse 4, sometime later Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. And this name is, goes on through history, right? There's a, isn't there a song about Delilah? Something like that, right? Isn't there something like that? But this woman, Delilah, she obviously had it going on. Samson, I don't know if she was, it seems like she's a bit more than the flavor of the month. This woman, she has him. She has him. Sometime later, it says Samson fell in love with her. He's the latest woman, she's the latest woman to, to catch his eye. And he cannot resist her. You know what's interesting? When a guy is like head over heels for a woman, and maybe vice versa, what happens? Like people know, right? Think of like when you start dating your spouse or you fell in love with your husband or when, when, you, when, you, fell in love, when you start dating, like there's that, that giddiness about something new, right? Those first couple years of marriage or those first couple years of dating, whatever it was, right? There's that excitement and the community around you, people you connect with, they know, they recognize it. Well, here's the problem in this culture, in this, in this timing, the enemy recognized it. The enemy recognized Samson, man, he might just be in love with someone he shouldn't be. Right? When the Bible talks about, you know, we don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer, right? But we, we have Samson, this judge of Israel, this, this monster on the battlefield, this baller on the basketball court, whatever you want to call him, right? But the rulers, here, here's what verse 5, would you read it with me? Verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines, they went to her. Oh, we're going to do an inside job. They went to her. And they said to her, Delilah, work your magic. Entice him. Entice Samson to, to tell you what makes him so strong and how can he be overpowered and tied up securely. And then they say this. Look at this. I mean, sometimes we think we don't have a price, but I remember one time I was at a men's camp and Dr. Jim Scott, one of our Foursquare vice presidents, said, everybody's got a price. What's yours? So like for you to, to morally fit, like what's your price? Well, for Delilah... Here it was. They said, we're going to give you a bunch of silver. We're going we're to make you rich. Samson cannot resist Delilah, and Delilah cannot resist the money. So the Philistine leaders, are we tracking? They come. Hey, we know we can't take this guy out. We've tried. We know we can't beat him on the field of battle. We've tried. But you know what we're going to do? Let's attack his personal life. Let's go after him in those areas that nobody knows about, right? We know this about Delilah. Um, she was more loyal to the Philistines than she was Samson. She was more loyal to, to the purse than she was Samson. Let's continue on in verse 6. So here we go. Delilah said to Samson, and can you imagine this, right? Honey, baby, sweetie, deer she's batting her eyes she's looking pretty she's got her makeup on whatever it is she's using all those charms please tell me what makes you so strong please tell me what 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 would it take to tie you up securely and you know right away you would think samson you know somebody's fishing she's fishing for the the source of his strength she's 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 you know she's she's like you would think he'd be a little smarter than this She's asking these questions and like, why do you want to know what makes me so strong? 
I mean, like, I like my strength. I like that these guys can't capture me. I like that the enemy can't kill me. Why do you want to know? But she's good. She's good. Samson replied, verse 7, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. And you want, it's, it's like, are these two playing games? I guess they are. I mean, well, let's leave that alone. Verse 8. Uh, so the Philistine rulers, here we go, they brought Delilah seven new bowstrings. She tied Samson up. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson, look what happens. He snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned in a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, I just want to throw this out here. If, if, like, if you're dating someone and they pull this on you, why on earth, I just like the common sense guy in me goes like, why would he not dump her on the spot? Right? Why does he just keep that? But, but he's a player. He, she's, she's irresistible. Simply irresistible. What, right? And, and Samson likes to play games. She clearly likes to play games. And you would think after someone betrays your trust once, like, I mean, she even says, like, wake up, the Philistines are upon you. And, like, and I'd be so irritated, like, you just wanted to see? Like, you just wanted to see if they could capture me? Like, what, even think, like, why didn't this man ask any more questions? Not only was he narcissistic, he may have just been a little slow. I don't know, I'm teasing. But you kind of go like, bro, bro, what was your SAT score? Right? Well, I wrote my name down. Like, that's the, I, don't, I don't know. Like, what's the deal with Samson? Every coach loved him so much that they never told him to get his butt in the classroom. But man, you think he'd say get lost, but the reality, and, and go through this verse if you would while I'm talking. If, you, if I bore you a little bit, read a couple more verses. Because here's what happens. She repeats these actions, not once, not twice, but some, three more times. She plays this game. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Boom, he wakes up. Like, what is going on in this relationship? And, and, and man, I, I, I would say this for any young person or young woman, young man, like especially young women, the pressure that you face growing up. Man, if, if someone is pressuring you with this, if you really love me, right? That's what she's doing. She says, baby, Samson, honey, if you really love me, why would you keep a secret from me? Samson, if you really love me, why wouldn't you tell me the truth, right? And man, if it, I think like even when we're young people and people are dating, like if someone is pressuring you to do something that is ungodly in the, under the guise of love, hello, warning, warning, but often in relationships we miss those warning signals, don't we? But the pressure that she puts on him, if you really love me, you would tell me where all your amazing muscles come from. You'd tell me why you're so strong, but you, you must not really, really love me. So I'm going to keep testing you. And look at verse 16, verse 15, Judges 16. Then Delilah, and I love, I have the NLT, the New Living Translation. My translation says, get this, it says she pouted. I like that. Some other translations don't say that. They, but, but I love my translation. She says, then Delilah pouted. Right? She couldn't get him to tell, so she continues this actress mode that she is so gifted at how can you tell me you love me when you don't share your secrets with me 
you've made fun of me three times now, right? Three times now you've made fun of me and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. And then it says this, and husbands, wives, and I, I mean, I think, there's a, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says, I, I, actually I know there is, I just didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. There's a verse in the Bible that says it's better for a husband to live on your rooftop than to live inside the house with a nagging wife. It does. That's in there. It says it's better to live up there. I'm going to go sleep up there. I'm going to sleep in the heat. I'm going to get a suntan. <laughs> but look at this scripture. Like, I love the Bible. I love the Old Testament. 16. And, and guys, we can do this too, right? Come on. We can nag our spouses too. This is not just the... But, but I think she's gifted. She's a gifted actress. Look at this. Verse 16. She tormented him with her nagging all day long, after day after day. And it says this, until he was sick to death of it. She tormented Samson with her nagging until he was sick to death of it. She got on his last, you ever have, I mean, your kids have this gift, don't they? If you don't like get them to zip it, right? There's this, I think there's an age, I don't know what age it is like, and depending on their stubbornness and their personality, if it's like ages like five to nine years old where they just don't understand that like no means no, Right? They just don't, I don't know what age it is. I know in our, it's varied depending on personalities of children that are amazing and we love them. But there's a learning process where it goes like, like, guys, we already answered that question once and the answer remains the same whether you ask mom or dad, right? It's gonna be the same answer. But the Bible says she just wouldn't stop asking and so Samson, he caved. Samson gave in, verse 17, and this would be the fourth time. This would be the fourth time I was referencing. Verse 17, finally Samson shared with her the secret. He said, it's this vow, it's this Nazarite vow. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. And of course, we know the story. It's even, it's just, I visualize, it even says that Delilah like had him fall asleep on her lap. And she betrays him, and someone comes in, and they begin to shave his head, and they cut his hair. Samson's head is shaved, and Delilah, her bank account is filled. She is paid. The Bible tells us, and we'll get into this, that, that Samson, what happens is he is powerless to just stop a few of the Philistines that come in. He's powerless to not only stop them from taking him captive, but he's powerless to stop them from gouging out his eyes. First thing, they, they're going to take this guy's eyes right? Probably a pretty smart thing to do, too, considering, like, I would be thinking, like, just in case his strength ever comes back, let's make sure he won't be able to see anything. Kind of surprised they just didn't take him out there on the spot and kill him, but they decide to play games with him. They decide to, they want to be amused by this hero Samson has taken. The power church, and I think this is kind of something I want to emphasize, it, it wasn't in his hair, this hair, it wasn't this magical hair that he possessed, even though I junked, joked about Rapunzel earlier, but the power is in his commitment. The power is in his vow. The power is in his promise to his God. And even though we see, I mean, goodness, we see Samson sin a lot. Even up to this point, like he sins over and over again, but at, up to this point, he was still true to his promise. Get that, right? He was still true to his Nazarite vow. This hair was that symbol of the promise. 
The hair was the symbol of the promise, and now the hair is gone, and so the promise is broken. The covering is broken. He, he, he didn't operate in this, this, this Nazarite vow. Remember, it means I'm set apart. I'm dedicated for God's purpose. Now that vow, that promise is broken, and it says I'm, uh, you're no longer covered. You're no longer set apart, Samson. You're no longer dedicated. Well, number two, number two, would you write this down? Operating outside of God's unique calling means separation from the Spirit. Operating outside of God's unique calling means separation from the Spirit. The enemy goes nuts. They throw a party. They rejoice. They celebrate. They, they praise their God. They got Israel's guy. We got the champion of Israel. We got the champion of Israel. Our God, Dagon, right? This, I, I like to say the little G God. The God with a little G in front of his name. Hey, he, handed, he gave us Samson. They begin to praise him. They give him the credit. And Samson, the Bible says, he's forced to grind grain in prison. And no doubt at this point he's got to be weak. He's got to be in pain. He's got to be hurting. But I can't think to help but think he's probably been humble just a little bit right sometimes i think it's tough when you know if you're a christian sometimes sometimes it's hard to extend the amount of grace we should extend to people if we haven't had that moment where we we really 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 almost blew up our lives or did blow up our lives right sometimes you notice like when when we when we get it and we've really made a mistake, we've really messed up, sometimes that helps us have a little bit more of understanding of just how much God's grace has covered us. Just how much he's, he, he, is, he has blessed us and covered us. But Samson is embarrassed, and Israel's embarrassed. Uh, they're mocking Israel, they're mocking Samson, they're mocking Samson's God. All because this vow has been broken. All because the vow from his childhood. Think about that, parents. Why do we dedicate our kids right? His mom basically did what we do today. She dedicated him. She set him apart. She took this Nazarite vow, right? And I think sometimes today, even in church, like we have to be so, so careful. It's important to dedicate our kids because the reality is if we don't, like it's like this mindset in invading the church. If we don't push God upon our kids, I'm telling you, culture will push the enemy on your kids. Like, hello? Only one guy said amen, and he happens to be the senior pastor, that's more than, I, that, hello? Like if, if we don't push our kids towards God, culture will push the, the devil towards God. Straight up. Like they're, they're going to, right? This mentality like, I'm just gonna let my kids figure it out. I'm gonna let them be them. I'm gonna let them do what they want to do. Church, do you realize that is nowhere in scripture? That is like, that is the opposite actually of scripture. The Bible actually says to raise up a child in the ways they should go. And when they get older, they will not what? Depart from it. It doesn't mean they won't be a knucklehead at 19. They probably will. Right? Doesn't mean they're going to be perfect and caught, right? whatever it is. But the Bible has that promise, raise up a child. It doesn't say raise up a child in the way they think they should go. Hello, right? And I love that about Samson's mom from a young age. As an adult, as, as a mother, she makes it a point to say, this is the way my kid is going to be. This is how I'm going to teach him to follow God. And the, and the reality is, I think, sometimes, this is, I think sometimes why we don't lead our kids the way we should lead them, I think sometimes, not all the time, sometimes why we don't 
push them towards God the way that we should? I think it's because sometimes as an adult, we understand and we remember that we were raised in church. We understand and we remember that we were dedicated in church and then somewhere along the line we became a teenager or we went to college or we got into our 20s and even though we were dedicated to God, we adopted the world and when we adopted the world, we got as blind as Samson. I think we remember those seasons in life where we we adopted the thinking of the world and we left the very thing that made us unique. We left the promise, we left the the, the sanctification, we left the set-apartness and we left it for little g-gods. I think sometimes we carry that shame for some reason. We carry that shame and, and, and we don't lead the way we should lead. We don't lead with the confidence and, and the care that we should when it comes to spiritual things. Number three, number three, our final point as we get ready to close today. What was lost can only be regained by repentance. We're going to look at the end of Samson's story. What was lost can only be gained by repentance. Judges chapter 16, verse 21, a little bit of context. At this point, the enemy is celebrating. The enemy is throwing a party. Verse 21, the Philistines captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains. They forced him to grind grain in the prison. But before long... And here we go as we get into this, because the next couple verses we're going we're gonna to see what happens. But you know what, would you um, look at the very last line of verse 22. He's grinding grain in prison, he's blind. No doubt he's malnourished, he's underfed, weaker than he's ever been, but it says in verse 22, but before long his hair began to what? grow back. Don't miss that in verse 22. Before long, his hair began to grow back. And I think what I love about that verse is even though we're coming to the end of Samson's story, there's some bit of hope in that verse, in that verbiage, because it says, it's kind of like God reminding us, God reminding Samson, hey, 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 I'm not quite done with you yet right? I'm not quite done with you yet. Even though you're bound, even though you're broken, even though you've been, you're you're a court gesture at this time, right? Your hair is growing back. And I think some of us, as we close today, Danette, if you're here, you could come up and jump on the keys for me, but maybe you're here today, and, and I think maybe even Samson, even though he's blind, he probably could, he could feel what was going on up here, right? Maybe he started to feel that, that hair coming back. But I think some of us, man, we, we go to church week after week, and then we just kind of, maybe we've, we're in a, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in a place like Samson where you're like, God, I just, God, I just want that sleep back. God, I just want that peace back. God, I just want to be less anxious. God, I want my life back. God, I want to be joyful about you again. God, I want that relationship back. God, I want that relationship restored. God, I want to, I want to have that restore to me the joy of that salvation. When I, I want that life back. I want that back. I want, God, I want you to break this addiction to depression or this addiction to pills or this addiction. God, I want my life back. And I think that was Samson. I want my hair back. You think it's not like I'm, right? That hair, God, it it began to grow back. And Samson is bound and he's blind. And we go through seasons where that's us, isn't it? We go through seasons where we 
feel just like Samson. Judges 16, 25, half drunk by now. Look at this. Uh, the people demanded, they're throwing a party. Bring out Samson to amuse us. Watch out. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. They had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. And Samson said to the young servant, I've got a bit left here. I need to speed this up. He was, the servant was leading by hand, and Samson said, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. So the enemy is gathered. The enemy is throwing a party. And, and, and look what's happened. Samson is the entertainment. Oh, how the mighty have fallen, right? Samson is the guy to be laughed at, to throw wine at, to throw food at. Remember that scene in Braveheart where they bring out William Wallace and the crowd just starts throwing every, every matter of filth at him. But remember, you know what's interesting? Um, remember chapter 13, verse 5. What was Samson's calling? You remember that? It was the very first verse, I think, that we gave. The Bible said he will rescue Israel from what? He will begin to. He won't do it all. It says he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. He will begin the process of rescuing Israel from these people, from their enemies. He will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. That was his calling. That was the reason for his vow. And yet, I, I remember, think about Samson's story. If you know his story, oftentimes, doesn't it seem like his strength is used to glorify himself? Really, it doesn't seem like, like his, his abilities are used for himself up until this moment in time, right? And, and, and you know what's interesting? His calling was to rescue Israel, not make a name for Samson. And yet he lived his life up to this point doing just that. Look at verse 27. We've got a packed house at the New Orleans Arena, right? At the Cox Pavilion. We got a packed house so much so the Bible says the Philistine rulers were there. There were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. And I love what Samson says. Can we, can we read this? Here we go. Then Samson, he did something. I wonder if he hadn't done this in a while. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, would you remember me? Oh God, please strengthen me one more time with one blow. Let me pay back the Israelites. I was reading a commentary this week, and it was talking about Samson taking care of himself, but he said, with these words, it said that Samson, with these words, it could almost be compared to, remember when, when Paul echoed these words, to live is Christ, but to die is gain? And this commentary I read, it said Samson's words could almost be echoed in that mentality when he says, God, he could have been praying for his life, couldn't he? He could have been praying, God, let me, let me, let me do something, but get me out of this. He could have been pleading for his life, but I love that it, I kind of get the feeling Samson's getting right with God. Samson, Samson is, 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 he, he is, he's getting on good terms with God. He remembers who he's supposed to be for. He remembers who he was dedicated to. Um, I think that's the only way he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is because in this moment he gets right with God. Like it's the, only, it's the only thing, like why else was he mentioned in Hebrews 11 except for this? He's mentioned in the hall of faith because he comes to a point where he realizes, God, my life up until now has been about me. 
But now I finally get it. I'm blind, yet I see. I'm blind, yet I get it. You've blessed me so I can bless my people. You've blessed me with strength so I can bless Israel. Verse 29. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. And he said, let me die with the Philistines. Let me die with the Philistines. To live is Christ, to die is gain. God, let me go out doing what I was supposed to be doing all along. I think that, like, God, let me go out on good terms with you instead of going back to living what I used to. God, even if it means my life ends a little early, God, let me go out setting people free, doing what I was supposed to do this whole time. Uh, uh, let me go out with this taking out the enemy, finally being on good terms, finally being right with you. Look what happens, church, before we pray. The temple crashed down. Look at that. The temple crashed down, not on just the rulers, but the Bible says all the people. And so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Samson inflicted some damage on the enemy because his calling was for Israel, right? And I think this story, as much as I said earlier, it's kind of like a sad story. You can get depressed. It's like, but here's the theme I want to take away from this. Would you write this down in your notes? Samson was in the last two minutes of his life, last couple minutes of his life. It's never too late. It's never too late. I think that's something I can take away from Samson's story. It's never too late to get right with God. He did more in that final moment than he did in his whole lifetime. The Bible later says he judged Israel for 20 years. So in those final minutes, he did more than he ever did for those 20 years. I think, man, even, I mean, we look at Samson like the guy that had it all together, but from a spiritual perspective, we could say finally at the end of his life, Samson was winning because he had kind of behaved, he'd been behaving like a loser this whole time, but at the end of the game, he was a winner when that clock ran out. Even at the two-minute warning of life, Samson, he, he got right with God. I love that. Samson, that's what I want to take away. He got right with God, and then God moved through him. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray, church. God, we thank you for this time in your house. God, thank you for the ability to gather in your house. And Lord, we thank you for the story of Samson, a man that for a time he turned his back on his calling. He turned his back on his people. He turned his back on his vow. He turned his back on his God. But ultimately, God, he came back to you. He came back to you in that fourth quarter of his life, the final two minutes of his life. He made the adjustments that he needed to make. This morning as we close, I just want to ask you what, um, not to use a football term, but what, what portion, what section, what chapter of life are you in today? You know, we, we know Samson had an inkling that it was his time was near when he was captured. His eyes were taking. There's no repairing that stuff. But what quarter of life are you in? There's four quarters in the game of football. You know, what's interesting is oftentimes, even if we're in our teen years, we think we might be in the first one or the second one. Or we think we might be at halftime and there's enough time to make adjustments so we can still win the game. But the reality is you might be 15 or 16 or 67 and 70, but the reality is you are in the fourth quarter of your life. 
We do not know the day or the hour or the moment when God will call us into his presence, when God will call us home. But I think I want to use the story of Samson as, to me, it's a, a great warning that says, man, don't make the mistake of breaking that vow. Don't make the mistake of looking like everyone else. Don't make the mistake of living like everyone else. Don't make the mistake of partying up in your 20s and thinking you got time to come back and rebuild and have a healthy family in your 30s, right? Don't break that which makes you unique. And that is that relationship with a holy God. Where are you at today? Where are you at today with Jesus, right? Maybe you've never made a decision when it comes to faith. Samson's a reminder, it's never too late to come back. It's never too late to come back. It's the fourth quarter, come back. It's the end of the ball game, come back. It's the two minute warning, come back. Because when someone becomes a Christian, you become a brand new person inside, you're not the same anymore, and a new life has begun. I wanna ask you today, is there anyone here that wants to say yes to Jesus? Is there anyone here that maybe you, I don't know where you've been. Maybe you've been doing a Samson thing for a while. Maybe you're watching online and you've been doing a Samson thing for a while. Maybe you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, one of the ways that we do that, we simply acknowledge him. We lift our eyes, we lift our hands. And not from a sense to call anybody out or embarrass people, but the Bible says that when someone makes a decision to follow Christ, that man, all of the heavens, that we, people are rejoicing. And that's our desire. So if that's you, if, if you, it's not too late to start over, it's not too late to start new. If that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your eyes towards me or would you just lift a hand so we can just celebrate that and pray with you? I just want to count to three and I'm just going to ask you, lift your hand if you're here this morning or if you're online. One, two, and three. Is anybody here that you need to come back to him? You need to come back to him. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. I see you. Anymore, and, and maybe you just lifted your eyes. Maybe I'm scanning the room and I, and, I, and I may have missed somebody. That's okay. We're gonna have prayer teams and we're gonna, we're gonna pray at the end of this service. But can we pray this today? Would you repeat after me, church? Would you say it with me? Jesus, I open up my life to you. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross and I believe you went there to save me. Church, let's say it together. Come on. And so, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior because I needed saving. I ask you to forgive me and to guide me. God, I want to trust in you. And God, at this fourth quarter moment of my life, I want to live for you. Be in charge of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.